0: Thanks for joining us on This Week in Health IT Influence. My name is Bill Russell, former healthcare CIO for 16 Hospital System and creator of This Week in Health IT, a channel dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We have two excellent guests with us today. We have cybersecurity communication specialist for Geisinger, David Stellfox, and we have cyber threat response team lead at Geisinger, Joshua Murray. Special thanks to our Influence show sponsors, Sirius Healthcare and Health Lyrics for choosing to invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health IT leaders. If you wanna be a part of our mission, you can become a show sponsor as well. The first step is to send an email to partner at thisweekinhealthit.com. I wanna take a quick minute to remind everyone of our social media presence. We have a lot of stuff going on. You can follow me personally, Bill J. Russell on LinkedIn. I engage almost every day in a conversation with the community around some health IT topic. You can also follow the show at uh, this week in Health IT on LinkedIn, you can follow us on Twitter, Bill Russell HIT. You can follow the show uh, this week in, in HIT on Twitter as well. We've got a lot of different things going on, and each one of those those channels has different content that's coming out through it. We don't do the same thing across all of our channels. We don't blanket posts. We don't just you know, schedule a whole bunch of stuff and it goes out there. We're actually pretty active and uh, trying to really take a conversation in a direction that's appropriate for those specific channels. So we spend a lot of time on this. We really want to engage with you guys through this. We are trying to build a, a more broad community. So invite your friends in to follow us as well. We want to, to make this a dynamic conversation between us so that we can move and advance healthcare forward. And now on to today's show. Today, we're going to talk about phishing, and we're specifically going to focus in on phishing around cybersecurity. And we have two excellent guests with us today. We have cybersecurity communication specialist for Geisinger, David Stelfox, and we have cyber threat response team lead at Geisinger, Joshua Murray. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Good afternoon. Thank you. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Phishing is still one of the number one ways that health systems get exposed. And number one ways for nefarious actors, I like using that term, nefarious, tend to attack health systems. And Geisinger's had some success on lowering the click rate on phishing emails. And I I really want to go into that a little bit with you guys. Before we do that, David, do you want to try to frame the problem of phishing for health systems today?
1: Sure. I mean, I think most people are aware that it's problem for all of us. I mean, last uh, September, I think it was, there was a report out of Germany that we had the first death that was caused by a cyber attack of a patient. I think that was subsequently determined that wasn't necessarily the case, that the woman was in very poor health and probably would have died anyway, despite the fact that she had to be diverted to another hospital. But I mean, that's sort of the extreme end of the stick there. What we're facing. I mean, right now also out at Scripps Health in California, they're suffering from a ransomware attack. They lost their EHR. They had to divert some critical care patients. So I mean, this is the kind of thing that we're facing.
2: Yeah, and I would just add it. It's also more of a multi, you know, pronged attack too, right? I mean, phishing. It, you know leads to data breaches but just as david talked about it also leads to malware and stuff like that so you know it's phishing. it leads to one thing it it kind of opens the door for all the attackers to kind of do what they want or, or all the above we've seen the ransomware attacks that were caused by phishing. that not only did they put ransomware on the device but then they also exfiltrated data held that for ransom and or sold that to other actors also
0: at this point I was going to ask you what does it take to get the mindshare among exe- executives, but if they're familiar with what's going on at Scripps, University of Vermont last year, Upstate New York, there was one in Oregon where the the systems lost. I mean, the EHR was down. It was multiple days, if not weeks, of outages and whatnot. This really has mindshare today, right? Or is it still is it still an uphill battle to get mindshare within the the health system?
1: yeah I think it is still a bit of a battle only because the executives have so many other issues on their plate, other things to worry about, they're constantly being pulled one way or another and putting out fires here and there so so yeah, I think some of these stories do help in terms of awareness with the exec- at the executive level, but I still think it's something that you need to push with them from time to time to keep them aware, to maintain their awareness.
0: How do you get the mindshare? I mean, clearly a, a healthcare executive has to worry about so so many aspects of r- running the business, caring for the patient's community, growth, those kinds of things. But this is obviously one of many. How do you go about getting the mindshare of the executives?
1: There are several ways. I mean, I think our, for example, our CISO, Steve Dunkel, and, and our chief assurance officer, Kevin Carestus, they are a conduit to the board, to the executive senior leaders, and so we kind of use them to get things up to the board level. But also, I think, really, we kind of take kind of a bottom-up approach. So we started our program, I mean, we had a program before, but can I talk about since I've been here in 2019? We started and we recreated our SharePoint page. We, we built that up. We got a lot of visibility there. And it's about building up the program from the bottom, and then eventually it gets up to the folks at the top. Another thing that we do, for example, is we publish a two-page bulletin. It's a one-sheet one piece of paper, double-sided, for, specifically for executives, and we do that quarterly. And we made a conscious decision to kind of go old school with that. We don't deliver it by email. We deliver it in paper, paper copy, in inter-office mail, addressed to them and that was kind of intentional because it's so easy to ignore emails and delete emails. So that's,
0: I mean, that's along the lines of when when I get a handwritten note from somebody, I actually take notice versus literally the 250. So that there is a conscious plan around getting in front of people. How do they respond to it? When you say, hey, look, phishing's a big conduit to a lot of other attacks against our health system. How do they respond? I mean, because one of the age old problems we had when I was CIO was just, it, it was ease of use versus security. And you get a lot of pushback of, hey, it takes me too long to log in. It's There's too many steps. There's too many of that kind of stuff. I mean, how do you balance it?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's definitely still a problem. It probably will always be the balance between convenience and security. I I think, though, that people have moved along uh, on that, moved down the road on that ways uh, that people are reckoning. I think it was imbalanced towards convenience in the past and i think it's coming much more into balance it's not overbalanced i don't think to security but it's becoming much more in balance as yeah. people recognize
2: yeah and one of the things guys have been trying to do especially in the past two years unfortunately coincide with covid and the other priorities but we've been holding a lot of tabletop exercises where we invite both the executives and you know the managers of the clinical departments and we walk through. Well, we just did one a couple of weeks ago with FEMA when we walked through a phishing exercise that led into a ransomware, that type of thing. And, and what that did was that allowed you know, the executive everyone to see it from kind of the start to finish, not just hey my computer's down, what's going on. So th- with that, we get a little bit more awareness of showing them the whole process and you know what happens here and why you know one click on an email could you know bring down the whole thing and start diversion pages and all that type of items.
0: Yeah. So Josh, you have a, a cool title, cyber threat response team lead. What, what is the Cyber Threat Response
2: Team? Our team here at Geisinger, we're basically kind of a, a threat team, which means we monitor the news and all the sources for any type of threats and act on those threats specifically to help care others. But then our team is also tasked with a response if those threat realize or responding to you know, those threat insights. So you know we gather the intelligence, we review it, determine what's applicable to us or what we need to do from that. But also on the flip end, if something goes bump in the night or... Something actually realizes that our team is also the one to respond. So that that's really neat because we kind of see the intel from the whole lifecycle, from when we get it to when we respond. So there's no a lot a lot of other places have got you know, this connector There's a threat team and a response team, and I think there's some communication gaps that always exist between the two. But with our team, we're able to fully consume the information. But plus, if we need to, we can also act on that.
0: So is that team separated from the operations team, the team that's? Uh, implementing, monitoring, and all that other stuff, and then the, the threat response team is literally focused in on threats to the health system.
2: Correct. Yeah. So our our team does do just um, the threats and then the response. So we do have an operations group that helps us, or helps guys actually install and you know do the configurations behind the scene, and then our, the analyst on our my team, uh, we actually have eyes on the glass looking at the intelligence and they're responding to the any alerts.
0: Wow. So talk to me. By the way, I love that I love that distinction between operations and, and threat response. So, you guys were able to reduce the occurrences or the successful phishing amongst your staff by uh, upwards of fifty uh, percent. How were you able to do that? Is it a repeatable program that you think other health systems at this point could implement?
1: Yeah, that's a good question, and also how long it will last, and can we continue it? Those are questions yet to be answered. But as far as what we did already, I think we built up a program where we became very, very visible to the employees with the help of corporate communications, of course, and others in the organization. And then we went out and gave presentations to departments within the organization. I mean, in person before COVID and then after COVID virtual, but they were kind of like, they weren't, we called them training, but they were really conversations, discussions, And I was really impressed with how engaged the employees became during those discussions. They weren't just sitting there passively listening. They were asking questions and making comments. And I think that was a huge, huge help to how we managed to lower our phishing click rate.
2: Yeah, I think just to add to that, I think kind of David mentioned was we kind of partnered with them. We don't walk in with our badges and try to be the policeman, right? We sat down with them and like, here, let's just have a conversation about it. We're on your side. Now, if you click an email, a phishing email, here's what you do. You're not going to get fired. We're not going to come down and do anything like that. It was just more of that that candy thing where we partnered with the employees and just made sure that you know, we're here to help. We all have one goal in mind, and this is how we're going to accomplish that.
0: This pipeline thing is is really interesting as it's going on right now, because much like the pandemic was for hand washing and social distancing and wearing masks and those kind of things, just people recognizing good hygiene and how it helps people to stay healthy. I think some of these things like waiting in gas lines and, and, and that kind of thing is is sort of a reminder that, hey, this is getting serious and this could really impact things. And so it really is making it top of mind for the entire staff. It's probably a more receptive audience today than even it was when you started taking off this program, I would think.
1: I think I would agree with that. Yeah. In the last two years, with all the incidents that there have been, I think people in general are, are more aware of the potential for these kinds of attacks and the potential implications of these kinds of attacks. So, yeah, I would agree with that. So talk about how are the, I
0: guess, Joshua, this is for you, how are the threats becoming more sophisticated? I mean, it, it's interesting, no matter how sophisticated the threats are becoming, it seems to me like the the way in is is still easiest through an email where somebody's going to give you their credentials.
2: Right. So so, so um, as you can imagine, just the evolution over a couple of years, the first phishing emails were very generic. You know, hey, you want a gift card, click here, you know, and sign in. Nowadays, we're seeing a lot more targeted attacks. They're using Geisterner's logo. They're using current events in the media. COVID, you know, we saw an explosion, not necessarily towards Geisterner, but just in, in in the email industry and all the other hospitals in the whole of COVID-related attacks. Like, hey, here's a shot appointment. You know, please sign up and do stuff like that. So I, I think they're really trying to kind of pinpoint Geisinger or you know whoever they're trying to target using those type of things. And, and again, the, the current events are the most ways to do that, right? Again, COVID, anything else is going on, they could put the urgency behind it. You know, They can say urgent, we need this tomorrow. And, and that's what they try to use to trick the users to give that up. So a lot of times with the the more advanced stuff like that, we're seeing a little bit more customization and you know, the attackers taking a little bit more time to kind of understand what their target is and what the best way to approach it is.
0: Is there a set of tools you're using around this, a set of technology tools?
2: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So what we do is we do some Microsoft project and some other project, our products to kind of help us do that. One thing I really like about our team in Geisinger is we still have a pretty good eyes on glass thing. Um, when they send in emails, we do have some processes that do that, but ultimately we look at those, and that allows us to have a chance to give immediate feedback to the users, right? We have other industries like, hey, I sent in a phishing email, and that's that's last thing I heard. You know, with us, we try to respond to emails as quickly as possible. We'll let them know this is yes, this is a phishing email. And, you know, these were the signs, and good job, right? And, and on the flip side, we can also, nope, this was not a phishing email. This is legitimate. We can click the link, you can visit, you know, open the attachment like that. So I, I think that's another thing in the overall phishing program is just the immediate feedback because people kind of, it, it's there and from and they remember it right away versus, oh yeah, here's the email I sent in two weeks ago and they said it was good. It it's kind of like, you know, and we can provide a media education. You know, this is phishing or this isn't.
1: I totally agree with that. I second that. I mean, Josh's team is very fast in responding when employees send in suspicious emails and they're always, uh, I mean, the, the whole team has a kind of a customer focus approach, and we get back to people as soon as possible, as fully as possible, as clearly as possible. And even, for example, with the people who click on the uh, friendly phishing campaigns, I personally respond to every single one of them within two weeks of, of the of them clicking. I mean, when they click, they get a, they, you know, a video pops up and explains what's happened and everything. But I follow up with each one of them after that. So I think that helps a lot too.
0: Are there other ways, is there like other ways to reinforce the behavior? Is there a gamification aspect of it? Is there, obviously you're doing friendly phishing campaigns. So there's ways to reinforce, reinforce it that way. You're not just waiting for an attack to happen to reinforce it. What are some of the ways you are reinforcing the the behavior of,
1: of the staff? Well, we we don't do a lot of gamification. We have done some, and we were doing more before COVID than when COVID struck, it kind of upset everything because everyone started working from home and people weren't in the offices and things like that. So I'm personally not a huge, huge fan of gamification. I think that the people who tend to volunteer for that sort of thing are the people that don't need the education. So yeah, I don't know, Josh.
2: Yeah, I I would just add on that, especially in the healthcare world, I mean, all, all the nurses, they don't normally sit at a computer, read their email, stuff like that. So a lot of stuff we do is kind of on demand or we draw them into the SharePoint site. David does a fantastic job of publishing articles that are relevant to both Geisinger and the industry as a whole. And we relate that to the employee's personal life. So anytime there's any type of scam or, or breach, we, we kind of break it like this, is how it affects Geisinger. But then we also add that personal element it is like, yeah, you know, maybe you should go home you know, and talk with family members about this. And. There is no gift card scan that's going to give you a $1,000 gift card. And it just it brings it down to that personalization. I, I think of a lot of our employees, again, on the clinical side, they don't necessarily you know, log in every day or do everything like that. So we take every opportunity. We kind of use the push method of you know, putting it out in their firm and, and then giving them the, the access to jump back into the SharePoint page and read about stuff
0: I guess you know if I'm a board member at Geisinger, I'm, I'm looking at you guys going hey this is great this is great good progress appreciate what you're doing this is fantastic what's it going to take to get to zero because that's that's essentially the goal right We don't want any a- anyone to give away their credentials because that's that opens up the, the system and one of the I think the eye-opening things for staff is to recognize they're like yeah but I don't have administrative access to anything I don't have whatever it's it really is. Once they get into a system and they're able to get into a remote system, a Citrix or whatever, they're able to break out to that and they're able to access other systems. And I think that was one of the things that was challenging to get into people's heads. It's like, you don't have to be an administrator of the system to help people gain, help bad actors gain access to our system. If you give away your credentials, that's an opening for them. So I'm a board member. I'm looking at you guys. Hey, fantastic progress. How do we get to
1: 0%? Is that even an attainable goal? I'm not sure myself that if that's an attainable goal. That's like perfection. But certainly one of the ways that that information that you were just talking about, like the employee doesn't understand perhaps that if a, a hacker gets their credentials that they can get into the system and move around. That's the kind of information that we talked about during our in-person presentations with Steve Dunkel, or CISO. And that generated lots of conversations with the employees. So, I mean, that's the kind of information that's really best delivered, like, verbally in person. And we did some of that, and I think that was really helpful. Yeah, i just add on, trying to
2: get down to zero. I I don't think it's attainable, but I I think we just need to keep this constantly going, just to keep it compressed as much as long as we can. And I do think there are some opportunities within Geisinger that we, we can make it a little bit better. One of the things I, I like to you know, look for our team to do is kind of keep up with some more of the relevant stuff. And once we see the start of a scam or some type of attack that we do successfully stop, maybe the next following month after that, we run a, a campaign that closely monitors that. And that's twofold is kind of both to keep the education up for the end users of kind of what's going on or what the new tactics are of this week. Of course, there's new tactics every time. So it, it's not going to be Just remember this can be good it's you know we try to take a step back and and let the employees kind of look at the big picture right like yeah this is a bad link you shouldn't click on it but before you even think about clicking on that link you just take a general overview of the email do you know who the sender is is there anything weird in the subject line or misspellings you know back to those common type steps and, and just kind of get them at that so i i don't think zero is attainable but i think by us continuing this process and refining it and just continuing the education Where we can, like David said, in person through remote learning or anything like that, I I think it's going to help us compress that even a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I I love this concept. I I keep coming back to it. I love this concept of threat hunters. What kind of background do threat hunters have? And I I guess the question is background skills and how do you stay ahead of it? I have a handful of websites for This Week in Health IT, and I I get to see the stats of how many times I'm potentially getting hacked every day. It's it's silly. I mean, there's nothing to get behind my website, but the number of potential attacks on the website is is significant. How do you stay ahead of it and what kind of skills and background makes up a threat hunter team?
2: So really for threat hunting, um, it really comes down to I'd say curiosity really. You wanna you want a person that has the gut that's like, hmm, this look, let's investigate this a little bit more. But to your point, the information out, out there is overwhelming. Of course, we focus mostly on healthcare and and those type of threats, As that's the industry we're in. But we do find different veins and different ways of getting into other things like that. So curiosity, just the different backgrounds of our employees, our teammates here. Some are really good at networking, some are really good at endpoint. And again, just being able to collaborate as a team on that type of stuff, it's amazing the doors it opens and the information that we get through that.
0: All right. So... What's the guidance to other health systems? They're looking at this, they're listening to this, they're saying, look, we're just getting our program off the ground, or we've got our program off the ground, but we're sitting at 10, 20%. You know, what's the guidance you would give them for really moving this forward? I'd love to hear from both of you on that.
1: Go ahead, Josh.
0: Uh,
2: (laughs) All right, I'll start. I'll probably take most of David's thunder, but uh, I I would say the biggest thing is, of course, get executive support for, we kind of talked about how we did that within Geisinger of just kind of going up the ladder and that type of thing. But the other thing I really think is the biggest two portions of a program is our friendliness approach, I'll call it, but we're not known as the enforcers or, oh, you get sent to the ISO's office, you know, like similar to the principal's office, right? It's, nope, we're here to help you. We're all here to maintain the safety and you know and security of the Geissner's data systems and, and that type of thing. And the other thing I really like, and I think really um, shows every time is the immediate feedback we give whether it be through the phishing campaign itself with a, a short video i mean short i mean it's like david i think it's about 30 seconds or so it's very short just gives you what you need it's not you know that long but also when you send in or suspect real phishing emails again my team will respond and we'll say yes or no and then we'll provide a little bit more context of nope i mean yes this is phishing there's links misspellings and that type of thing and i think those all those three things kind of work hand in hand. And that really gives the employees a program that it feels like we're partnering with them and not against them.
1: Yeah, I think that's very well said. And I mean, I will add that the only thing I I guess I might add is that in addition to the whole non-punitive approach, friendly approach that we take to it, we also do a fair amount of work in terms of putting out information to help people in their home lives and in their personal lives with online safety. So whether it's online safety tips for shopping, whether it's uh, scams that are not with nothing to do with Geisinger whatsoever, but scams that are circulating that we happen to know about, we put that information out. So we come across as trying to help people, not just trying to make them adhere to our policies and procedures and whatnot. And I think We are really trying. It's not that we come across that we really are doing that. (laughs) But I think that really wins us a lot of goodwill from the employees.
0: Fantastic. Gentlemen, great, uh, great progress. And thanks for coming on the show and sharing it. I I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Bill.
2: Thank Thank you for having us.
0: What a great discussion. If you know of someone that might benefit from our channel from these kinds of discussions, please forward them a note perhaps your team, your staff. I know if I were a CIO today, I would have every one of my team members listening to this show. It's it's conference-level value every week. They can subscribe on our website, thisweekhealth.com, or they can go wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, which is what I use, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're out there. They can find us go ahead subscribe today send a note to someone and have them subscribe as well we want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health IT leaders those are VMware, Hillrom, Starbridge Advisors, Aruba and McAfee thanks for listening that's
2: all for now